This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Pitches swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away, back, goal. Oh, hey, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. We've got a busy, busy day here on A's Cast Live. We are on the field getting you ready for game two between the Oakland Athletics and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, Southern California, Disney, whatever the hell they're calling themselves these days. It's going to be a 640 first pitch. We'll have A's total access coming up for you at 540. You are listening and watching A's Cast Live. Thank you for listening on the stream or if you're watching on YouTube or on Twitter. Shooty Babbitt, the Super Scout. TV star tonight will be with us here on Ace Cast Live from the field in moments, talking about a lot of different things, but we always get into scouting because Shooty is fresh out of the bushes, as he likes to say, and uh, will let us know what's been going on on his trail, on his trails and travels through the minor leagues. Former athletic, longtime friend of the program. I was thinking about it last night. This was probably 2015, 2016. Kurt Suzuki and I were doing an interview over in the other dugout. And then after the interview, we just started chatting. How's life? How's kids? How's family? He's talking about retirement. What's he going to do next? He's going to get into coaching. And I will never forget. Like, yeah, you know, great. Kurt, you know, whatever you do, it's going to be great. And then I was late. I had to rush up. I actually was late for the start of that then, uh, our old flagship station. I was late to start the pregame because I was, you know, Kurt and I were having a, you know, a nice conversation. Well, he didn't retire. And whether that was 2015, Cody, look at that up. Was that 2000 when he was with the uh, Minnesota Twins at the time? like 2015 2016 he's gonna retire what are you gonna do we had this conversation it's 2022 he's still playing ken korak had the stat about him that he was drafted what was it ken suzuki 18 years ago suzuki drafted 18 years ago 
The great Ken Korak over in the dugout, the voice of summer, said yesterday on the broadcast, 18 years ago, Kurt Suzuki was drafted by the Oakland Athletics out of Fullerton. 2014, 15, and 16 with the Twins for So Suzuki. it's probably 15, 16. Kurt Suzuki's thinking about retiring. And now he's showing up here in a half hour to talk about uh, still playing at 38 years old. Pretty amazing. And he won a World Series. And he won a World Series. He would have retired, not got that World Series ring. And big. Did we pressure Dave Cavill into coming today? Did we put the full court press on full court press on him? Because we saw Dave Cavill as he was the master of ceremonies at the Hall of Fame dinner. That was after the game on Sunday. And Cody had let's just uh be honest, Cody had had a few. Feeling a little brave. Uh, I got to talk to Dave, and it was like, hey, what about Ace Cast Live? We haven't had in a while. So Dave Cavill, the president, is going to be here at 5 o'clock, and we'll talk Howard Terminal, what's going on, city council, you got the port, where are we from here, how do we get this going, how do we get shovels in the ground, lawsuits, what's happening, we'll get the – We'll get the 411, as they like to say. And then also, we'll ask, you may not like it, but got to ask, what's going on with Vegas? Yeah, fair point. And when you were talking about, you were talking to Dave on uh, on Sunday at the Hall of Fame dinner, I was in all the legwork talking to, nothing gets by Curtis. You can't get it, you can't have a Dave Cavill interview without Curtis being okay, involved. Okay, okay. Drinking all day long at the game and then drinking at the company party, I wouldn't say is doing legwork. Nothing gets past Curtis. Eating free all day long for you, Commander. Whoa, whoa, not eating free. Well, my wife did pay, so, yeah, I guess I ate for free. Yeah, you you, you had a good day on Sunday. That was a, that was a healthy day for you. Yeah, it was a good day. So, we're going to have Shooty Babbitt at 415, Kurt Suzuki at 430, and Dave Cavill at 5 o'clock. That's what's happening on A's Cast Live. Last night, after – you have to realize that I just don't turn it off once we get – done with with the, the getting this shot. I know, I'm going to sit down. I, I, I just don't turn it off once the A's Clubhouse show ends. It's just, it's just not how the world works where all of a sudden you just go, uh, show's over. You know, you're still, you got a lot of things going on. You know, we start here at 4 o'clock. I'm not done till 11, 11.30, sometimes midnight. Cole Irvin pitching, by the way, even though he lost two hours and 14 minutes, fastest game this year, absolutely love. We talked to him about it. Cole Irvin thinks once he gets help from the other pitcher and we get the pitch clock, and he is our player rep, so he will represent the A's players when it comes to how we're going to implement pitch clock. He believes, and we're going to have to get him on the show soon to talk some Oregon Duck football, and we will talk college football because we have some guys that that love college football on this team. Zach Jackson, uh, former Hog, and uh, Arkansas Razorback. Cole Irvin, huge Oregon Duck fan. He will be on soon. We told him we got to bring him on to talk a little college football. We'll wait to the next homestand. But as he said, as the player rep, they got to figure out, you know, the penalties and how it's going to work. But if he gets help from the other side, he thinks he can have a game under two hours. I mean, that's that, That's Ken Holtzman, by the way. Yeah, that's that's quick. I mean, Mark, that's that's like you're going to Mark Burley territory if you want to talk about a guy in, from 2000 on. Burley was like the fastest worker prior to wa- watching what Cole's doing. And two hours, 14 minutes, as you mentioned, one nothing game. The Giants and Padres played a 
Same score, one nothing in San Diego, three hours and 15 minutes. An hour long to do the exact same game. Figure that one out. The exact same score. Obviously, games are going to be different, but seriously, how can there be an hour more of a game that's one nothing? Like, literally, that is not good entertainment. I, I didn't look up. I know an hour long. It's one not like right. The the pot. The Giants beat the Padres one nothing. One nothing. There was a there was a lengthy review, but it didn't take an hour for the review to happen. In the okay, the inning. reviews two and a half minutes, three minutes. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up so many pitches reviews because we know how many pitches were used in the game last night. There was two ace pitchers last night. The Padres used three guys. Blake Snell went five and two thirds. Nick Martinez went two and a third. Hater went one. The Giants used one two four pitchers. Still, that shouldn't mean yeah. an hour longer for a one nothing game. It shouldn't mean that. I mean, unbelievable. So last night, I was looking at this, getting ready for Shooty Babbitt, and Shooty is a part of what I'm going to talk about. And we're going to play. Do you have all the David Force cuts ready to go? Oh, yeah. So. Which one do you want first? He, I have them on the, on he, the thing. Here we are. In August 9, 2022, and our focus is going to be, yes, on what these guys do here, and we got to finish up the season, but a lot of our focus is what's next for this team? What's next for this franchise? How do we turn it around? How do the A's go from being where they are now to getting back where we were last year at 86 wins and the three years prior where there was a division win and two straight wild cards. How do we get back to being in the postseason? Well, it's going to be through what we do in our farm system. That is going to help. It's not going to be the cure-all. And what the A's have done in recent years, and really under Billy Bean and David Force, is they've always been good at finding talent in other people's organization. But you got to find your own talent, then go find the other pieces that are going to help you win at this level. So last night, uh, Kylie McDaniel from ESPN.com, ESPN Television, who you've heard here on A's Cast Live, updated his rankings for systems in the minor league. Normally, our minor league system in years past has not been rated very high. And I'm not going to say it's rated very high now. But boy, have we jumped So since the trading deadline, and you think of what the Athletics got, whether it's with the Yankees or what you got from Tampa Bay, the A's have traveled all the way up, and we'll show you here if you're watching on on YouTube or on Twitter. If you're listening at home, we have jumped all the way up to 17th middle of the pack. Now you're going to say, that's not great, and I agree with you. But where did we start at the beginning of the year? Started 28th. So that's, that's more than a 10 jump. And now you wait to see Waldachuk, uh, Sears. Let's see what these guys do. Like, let's say they actually come up, and we're going to play David Force for you here in a second, general manager of the Oakland Athletics who joined us yesterday on A's Cast Live. If guys actually go out and perform well and Vegas in here, we'll jump up from 17th. Like, all of a sudden, if you start to see, like, as Tyler Soderstrom continues to hit as a top prospect 
and you start seeing guys, you know, and you see you see Sears and Waldachuk come up and make some appearances here, we'll go into the offseason in top 15, right? Yeah, and Daniel Susak's supposed to debut for Stockton this week too. So your number one pick in the I draft. Don't, for him. But I'm just saying that that helps your farm system, though. It, no, no doubt. But it, what, what will propel us into, let's say, top 12? Oh, so, yeah. So it's going to be the guys that we got that are, are closer, yeah. and they can start helping us right now. So I asked David Force yesterday. I have the names written down. I went back. Like I said, I don't sleep. Cody sleeps. I wait for the offseason to sleep. You can sleep in the offseason. Who are the names we need to be looking at? Who are the names that David Force, when we say, all right, we need to check the box score every night as Shooty Babbitt showing up early? That's what scouts do. Scouts don't get there at first pitch. Scouts get there before because they got to talk to people. I want you to listen to this, Shooty. This is David Force, our general manager, the guy that you work for. Yesterday on the show, I asked him, who are the guys we need to look at the rest of the way in the minor leagues who can help us and look at spring training next year and for the big club next year. Here is the general manager on A's Cast Live. There's a couple guys in Vegas, I think, who are, you know, who are really close. I mean, certainly the two guys we, we got in the Yankees trade, J.P. Sears, who's pitching the big leagues, and Ken Waldachuk, I think uh, both guys are, are basically knocking on the door and just waiting for an open spot. Uh, Cal Stevenson, who's gone a little bit under the radar we got for Christian Bethencourt, has been on fire in Vegas, and I think we'll probably get an opportunity soon to see what he can do up here. So there's a couple guys there, you know, in addition to the guys we've already seen who who may have an impact. Um, after that, the group is in Midland that is pretty exciting. I mean, Zach Geloff, Tyler Soderstrom, and Jordan Diaz are lighting up the box score on a regular basis. And I think once you're in double A, it's really easy for us to picture you in the big leagues. It's just it's just a step away. Um, so those guys are exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing them this week. And then there's a group of pitchers there as well um, with Hogan Harris, who's finally healthy, pitching well. Luis Medina came over in the Yankee trade. JT Ginn is back healthy and pitching. Jeff Criswell's doing a nice job. So there's a group of arms there as well that are making progress and who, you know, to your point, will probably come into spring training next year looking to show the big league staff what they can do. Shooty, one of the reasons why I brought this up is last night I was reading an article about the farm systems and raking them. Kylie McDaniel does a very good job on ESPN.com. We started in preseason, ranked 28th. This is your department. All the way up now to 17th, and I think once we see some of the guys from the Yankee trade and we see how Soderstrom ends up, we we could see the A's top 15, maybe top 12, which is a huge jump from where the A's were at the start of the season in the preseason, rate 28th. First of all, I would just like to congratulate, congratulate my brethren, um, the other scouts, player development, scouting, for doing a fantastic job and it was quite a, quite a grind, you know, leaving spring training. We established a lot of relationships with a lot of clubs because they knew that we would have a lot of moving parts. There would be a lot of interest in some players that we had that weren't here at the right time. And that's what it's all about. Timing is everything. And I commend the Oakland A's for staying the course. You know, there's a lot of bitter fans, a lot of people wondering what direction we're going in. But one thing as a scout and working outside of the organization prior to coming to the A's full time is that I always sit back and watch how they did things. And 
they always have a process. You know, they're not going to overkick their coverage. They're not going to go out and overspend just for the sake of it. There's a plan. Uh, there's only one team that really mattered last year, and that was the Atlanta Braves because they won the World Series. And when you do that, everybody else came in second place, and you need to get better. We understood where we stand. We know where we're going. Uh, we knew where our farm system was. We knew we had pieces that could only enlighten and then heighten the things that we have in our organization. And for you to read off the numbers and see where we went from 28 to 17, that's just a body of work from a lot of people making wise decisions and doing their homework and getting it done. So I'm extremely excited about the youth that's coming. If you see the youth that's on the field right now, uh, this is their opportunity. You know, I'm a product of taking advantage of an opportunity that's presented in front of you when you're playing for a team that's on their way up but they're trending and trying to find ways to get there so you may hear me berating the fact that so many times that these young men need to take advantage and understand where they are right now because there are a lot of minor league players that never got an opportunity to step on a major league field that only needed one opportunity to get a chance to manufacture a, a lifetime career and so um, I'm a guy of urgency you know that Tony so I'm loving where we are right now but I'd like to just expound this message to the A's fans be patient you know, grab a hold of some of these young kids, embrace them, you know, pull for them to mature as major league players, and trust that the brain trust up top is going to make the best moves for this organization because when you're in a small market, if you will, when we start talking about economics and you can only spend money in certain ways, you have to be smart in the way that you make it because you go out and make one bad deal, you know, that could set your franchise back three or four years, and you want to just commend the people that are making those decisions. You know, one of the things that I've learned from Dave Stewart, and now that I've worked around him quite a bit, and I love you know just just picking his brain and it has nothing to do with him as the player everybody ah oh, won 20 games four straight years I, I i people forget about what he was as a coach and a pitching coach and then probably more importantly what he was as a gm and an assistant gm he understands the game and one thing that he told me that is so key we we talk so much about what Guys like you will be sent out to look at other teams, organizations, and when there's trades and stuff and evaluating players. But don't forget to evaluate your own players and the value of the own guy. The Evaluate the guys that you have. Because too many times teams forget that and they don't really look at their own system. So tell me, why is it so important not only to go to, to – to look at everybody else, but to self-evaluate yourselves and truly know what you have. Well, first of all, I want to congratulate Keith Lipman, who was uh, elected and inducted into the Oakland A's Hall of Fame this year after a 50-year career of playing and most of the time being spent in player development because the day-in and day-out responsibilities of the people developing these kids, getting them ready, there's so many things that you see on the field, but there are a whole lot of things that you don't see off the field, what these kids are made of, where they come from, the agents, the families, the girlfriends, everything that they have to deal with, still keeping these guys on the right path. But to answer your question directly, how do you know where you stack up? How do you know where you're going to be able to fill the voids or the gaps or build depth if you don't know what other people have? And a lot of times, if you get ready to start trading players, you need to know what you have in your own system before you make a deal because why just make a deal if this kid is not better than something that we already have? Instead of making a bad move here, let's invest our time somewhere else where we know we can get better. So I think people all the time you know, make comments or are critical of moves that are made. The people that are running the organization and the 
coaches and development people that have their hands on them know them better than anyone. They spend every single day. They know what their breath smell like, what kind of deodorant they wear because they're that much in their life. And there's just so much. So they know everything. So uh, this is a family uh Player development, minor leagues are trying to get players ready for this level. This level that there is no league better than this one right here. So don't come up here and try to be something that you're not. Do what you've done to allow you to get an opportunity to prove what you are. I truly feel that this is a game of skill, instincts, and feel. We see you, the skill. You know, now will your instincts allow you to show them and do you have enough feel to use them at the proper time? Because as we saw two left-handers battle yesterday with subpar velo, not eye-blowing stuff, but I saw two guys that understand their craft. I see the instinctual feel that they have in their game and the ability to apply it. I mean, you're talking about a guy that touched 95 if he needed to, but he struck out eight guys and all he threw mostly was a changeup. So what did he do? He just outthought these guys. He didn't overmatch them. You can't overpower this game I don't care who you are but you can outthink guys I'm looking for guys at this time of the year the smart guys get smarter and the dumb guys get dumber you've got to make adjustments because if not you will look up and your career will be just as fast as mine so as equally as hard as it is to get here it's triply as hard if that is a word to stay here so uh, I like where we are, Tony. It's bad, it's tough times, it's hard times. But, you know, you've got to get knocked down before you know how to get up. So how many games are you doing the, the color for NBC Sports California? I have this series against the Angels. If you get a couple more games that are two hours and 15 minutes, we're not going to let you go. Well, you're going to be a permanent. You're going to have to quit all your jobs, and you're going to start doing TV full time. Two hours and 14. I'm like, this is like when I was a kid watching baseball. I think it's because the A's have been so hospitable to me throughout my whole career since 1977 that they understand how I roll. Most of the time, I spend my time in the minor leagues. The best thing, the best change that they've made all year is that time clock down in the minor leagues because it's strapping on, get on the bump, get in the box and let's roll so most games are two hours two hours and 15 minutes and uh you're not missing any action all in my opinion and my humble opinion all they're doing is producing more does it make what you see down there this pitch clock make pitchers and defense just flat out better because they're getting into more of a rhythm i do because i think there's too much thinking going on right now during the game the game is won at this time of the day, 2 o'clock, 2.30, the preparation, the ground balls, the fly balls, the sides, the bullpens, the execution, the preparation, because the preparation prepares you for the execution. Guys at this level make a living by doing big things. But if you don't take care of the small things first, the big things never happen. So uh, it, 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 it's truly valuable. Yeah, no doubt about it, right? I, I got to work on my stuff on the range, but when I get to that first tee, I just got to I gotta let it go. Let it rip. You can't – just like playing third base. This, that is a position they call it the hot corner for a reason. You don't get an opportunity to think. You can only react. And you react because you've watched so many balls off the bat. You've anticipated. You're anticipating every pitch. Balls in the dirt for a base runner. You're anticipating every pitch is going to be in the dirt because if it does, I'm already thinking that if it happens, it creates momentum right away. But you say, oh, in the dirt, I got to go. It's too late. So with a young crew, you'd like to see these kids play clean, hard-nosed, 
dog savage style baseball, fighting for every single thing that they get. Don't give away at bats. I've watched this club this year lately, and you know some of the young kids are striking out a little bit too much. I think it'd be a good idea to just choke up a little bit, get up on the plate, and say, I don't care if I break my bat in half. You're not going to strike me out because I truly feel if you strike out, you lost to the pitcher. I don't care if oh, it wasn't a bad at bat. You know, you racked up a bunch of pitches. My <laughs> baloney. <laughs> <laughs> now, something that we talked about the other night at dinner, and Grady Fuson addressed this yesterday with Vince Catronio, and it's a philosophy in scouting. And back in the day, it was this guy, he needs X amount of plate appearances. He needs X amount of innings pitch. It's 500 innings pitch. It's 1,500 plate appearances. And then we'll evaluate whether this guy's ready for the big leagues. Well, we've done a deep dive on all the top young players in baseball. None of these guys get to those marks anymore. The best players, the youngest players, these guys that can help you now, no more of this 500 or 1,500. They're coming up. They're coming up to compete. They're coming to take your lunch money now at a young age. Just talk about how you've seen a change and how much you think a guy does need to marinate down in the minor leagues. Oh, man, it's invaluable. I think you learn all your lumps or get all your lumps, and you learn most of your lessons down in the minor leagues because every day if you've got major league aspirations, you're looking at box scores, you're looking at players that you admire, you see what they're doing at that level. The 20-year-old guys, the Ricky Hendersons, the Mike Trouts, the Uptons of the world, I mean, your biggest problem is holding them back, okay? You're not trying to figure out when they're going to get there. They force their way there because you know what they're able to do? Force their will on their opponents. They've been doing that all their life. I don't care if it's by power, by speed, by using your legs to create havoc. Nobody can stop you. But I just think because of the amount of money that's invested, some of these guys have it in their contract that – if I do this and you do that, you go to the major leagues automatically. No, no, no. It used to be on merit. And I know I'm old-fashioned. I'm going to be roadkill pretty soon, but it's okay. It's been a good ride. But I know one thing. When you came to the major leagues, you didn't come up here to watch. You come up here to fill a position because somebody hadn't been playing well or somebody got hurt. You get an opportunity to go and play hitting 210, 195 in the big leagues. Are you kidding me? I hit 256 and got ran out of this piece. So it's Different in that way. I don't think a lot of decisions are made on merit. It's unfortunate a but lot are made by need. Th but a lot of these really good young guys now, 25 and under, we're finding a list. A bunch of them are ballers. Well, it's timing is everything, yeah. Tony. I mean, if you've got a, 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 a you're a championship type ball club and you're the Yankees or somebody where there's not a whole lot of opportunity in the room, these guys are going to marinate down there and play a little longer. But nobody has a team where they've got too many hitters. If you can swing that thing, if you can swing that shillelagh, brother, they're going to find a place for you. Look at our very own Jed Lowry. I mean, this dude, right, the reason why he continues to play in this game because he can straight up rake. The man's a professional hitter, and we've got to find a way to keep him in the lineup. So um, these guys you're talking about, if they're not a pitcher and you're talking about this premium arm, this guy that has premium stuff, you're talking about a position player. And I guarantee you the number one quality that he has, he can swing that thing. For you, when we start talking about the trading deadline, there was always urgency, but eh, if we don't get the right deal, we can wait for the waiver wire process. Now we don't have that. Now there truly is a deadline. This is it. Whether you're going to fix your, 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 your squad or you want to replenish your minor league system, buyer versus the seller, how has it changed 
guys like you in the bushes now that there's not the waiver wire process. It, it hasn't changed in my role. We're constantly digging in the bushes. We're constantly trying to find good deals. I mean, you've got guys that are going to be sent out on waivers. Guys are going to be released. There's going to be a lot of movement going on. A lot of clubs have made all the moves that they can make at this time because of the personnel that they have given up or the personnel that they've acquired and they can't get rid of anybody. Uh, I, it's been a few years working on other teams, and I sit up and shook my head a few times about some of the moves that have been made here. But I've learned to keep my mouth shut and watch because every year, no matter what, with the exception this year, and even though we're having a tough time, these kids are still going out competing. Staying competitive is so hard to do. We watched the Cubs hadn't won a World Series in 100 years. Well, they were the talk of a town a few years ago because they won the World Series. Look at them now. You know, they're down there with us trying to fight for not having one of the worst records in baseball. So timing is everything. Calculations are everything. Uh, we don't take a uh, – I don't take a breath until September 24th, and that's the last minor league game being played. So I spent a lot of time in double-A baseball. You heard David Forrest telling you these guys that are performing at the double-A level are telling you right there that their skill set plays above. It's all about the mentality and how much they're willing to put into their craft to give them opportunity to play at the next level. So when we talk about a guy moving from double-A – to the big leagues, not going to AAA because, as David Forrest said, hey, listen, once you get to AA, there is a possibility to skip AAA and go to the big leagues. What do you need to see from a player at AA to be able to say, if if you were asked the question, you know, is this guy ready, you got to sign off on that player? I'll give you a prime example, a kid that I really love that I watched this year that the Texas Rangers brought up to the big leagues, Exubrio Duran. I watch him in Frisco, Texas, and he's a smaller version of Elvis Andrus. And it's just the way that he commands the game, the at-bats, the quality of the bats, the way that he controlled the zone, the way that he played within his game, no matter what pitcher's on the mound, who they're playing against, his game plays. Typically, guys in AAA are guys that are not good enough. There used to be a label for guys in AAA, 4A players. Yeah. Not good enough to be in the big leagues, but really good enough to have in AAA. But typically, there is some type of ward on this guy that won't allow him to be a major league player. So you've got a league full of guys like that. Double-A guys that have the skill set and have shown you that they are able to apply their skills no matter who's playing, you see that right away because it's something. It's that maturation that you see in that player. So they let you know, and you don't want to waste his time in Triple-A because you're down there with veterans trying to get back to the big leagues, doing everything they can to trick you. Uh, it's just a whole lot of stuff going on in Triple-A. A lot of guys frustrated that they're down there. So uh, you love it when you see a kid go from Double-A to the big leagues because you know he's special. And there's that mental side, as you're talking about AAA, of the frustration where that frustration can get the best of a player and he doesn't perform as well or he doesn't perform up to his capabilities. As a scout, do you see it? And maybe, I don't know how you do it, how do you coach that, the mentality to get more of a glass half full versus glass half empty? Well, I think because most of those guys, for the most part, are older guys. They've been there for a while. They're kind of set in their own ways. You're definitely not going to change their stuff or the way that they go about playing the game. The younger kids, different story. Uh, sometimes you expect them to struggle in AAA because it's just like uh, big leaguers uh, with experience down there. Stuff may not be that good, but mentally they can overwork you because they can outsmart you. So it's an individual. Uh, I don't think you can put the emphasis on the league itself because there's a reason that they have AAA. Some guys are just not ready. Some guys just need a little more work. But there's so many um, intangibles and things that go along with that. 
uh, that makes the decision. But uh, when David Starr is talking about guys like that performing in double-A, you take note, you make sure you keep your eyes on them because there's more coming of them. When you start talking about the guys like Denzel Clark and Soderstrom and the names like that, those are the kids that open up your eyes. So, man, the future is truly bright right now, and all you can do is sit here and enjoy what's happening and watch it all unfold. Let's end on this. You love your job. You love this franchise. Tell us why you love it so much. Man, how could I not? You know, as a kid um, growing up, all I ever wanted to do was be a, a baseball player. My mom taught me how to play the game, play catch in front of the house when my dad was working. Uh, I found out that I was athletically gifted to a certain degree towards baseball. It's something I always loved doing. Um, I had a scholarship to go to UCLA when I was drafted after watching Ricky and my friend Fred Atkins get drafted and go away and come back with their gear and their numbers on their neck. And, man, all I ever wanted to be was a professional. Um, the Oakland A's drafted me in a, on the last day in the 25th round, and it was a gamble that I had to take. I could give up a full-ride scholarship to UCLA that was going to guarantee me a decent living in life, or I could chase my dream. I chose to chase my dream, Chowney, and the Oakland A's gave me that opportunity, not only on the field but here in my community. This, I don't want this building to go. I'd rather see them remodel it, do something, build another one right here because this <laughs> is just like uh, tearing down a home that I grew up in, man. So my home in Berkeley that I grew up in is still over there, man. So there's so many memories. But they've allowed me to be – I think the, the, the main reason is because they've allowed me to be Shooty Babbitt. And when people accept you for who you are and what you bring and don't expect you to change, just tell you to be yourself, how could you not be happy? You know, th this organization embraced me. You're not going to see my numbers up there in center field. You're not going to see a whole bunch of stats by my name. But the one thing that I hope that my teammates remember me for is a guy that came out there and gave you every single thing that he had every day on the field. And if there was something that broke out, I can recall a fight that we had with the Texas Rangers once and Cliff Johnson charged him out after Danny Darwin. And he f grounded out and he ran to the mound. And me, like an idiot, I'm, you know, I'm with my team. I run out on the mound. I jump into the – and all of a sudden somebody got me and I can't move. I can't, like, what's happening? And somebody said, hey, man, you get bailed. I got bad. But I said, yeah, get his ass off me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm Oakland A's to the bone, Townie. And I am truly thankful and grateful for this opportunity uh, to start my career here. And the people that brought me here said, man, you can work here until you get ready to retire as long as you don't mess it up, man. So I'm doing my honest God truth not to do that, man. And uh, as the great George Devine told me years and years ago, I said, George, how do I know they like me? He said, shooty, if they ask you to come back. So I know you love me, homie, because you keep me on the show, and I appreciate it so divinely, my man. Ain't nobody better and ain't no bigger league than this one behind us. The great Shooty Babbitt will be on tonight. NBC Sports California doing the broadcast with Glenn Kuyper. You are the man, my friend. Thank you, Tony. Always a pleasure, bro. We got more coming up next. Kurt Suzuki right here on A's Cast Live. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. 
The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Yeah, a lot on scouting, a lot on the future, a lot on what is going on with the A's going forward. Kurt Suzuki is going to join us, but before we do that, oh, I do want to get to this before. Before I get into the old 500 innings pitch, 1,500 plate appearances that we have been sold for so many years, I have to bring this up about the Angels. They literally are the worst franchise in baseball history and maybe in American professional sports history in giving out free agent contracts. It is unbelievable how bad they are. Let's go over some of these contracts. Anthony Rendon, this is still to be played out, but this thing's a dumpster fire. Seven years, $245 million. Vernon Wells, complete waste. Seven years, $126 million. Hit 222, 36 home runs. In that time, get rid of him. Albert Pujols, 10 years, $240 million, awful. Josh Hamilton, do you remember how bad this was? Five years, $125 million. Justin Upton, another dumpster fire. Five years, $106 million. It just goes on and on. One that I forgot, Commander, this was great. Mo Vaughn. Six years, $80 million. That was a huge deal. They stole him from the Boston Red Sox, and that's when they were the Anaheim Angels, still kind of wearing the, the uniforms or kind of based off Disney. They were owned by Disney at the time. Yeah, he played two years, then I think he got hurt, and then he got traded to. He rolled his ankle in the first game. I'll never forget. It was a foul ball that went into the dugout, and he hurt his ankle and got off to a horrific start. Yeah, then he was out of baseball for a year because he was hurt, and then I think what he went to the Mets, and then that was it. Then we're looking at Gary Matthews Jr., five years 50. C.J. Wilson, five years 75. His actually isn't that bad. No, he actually had a decent little run with that. But Zach Cozart, three years, 38 million. These, just these names. The, real quick, the thing about Cozart that's really interesting Cozart, they signed him to that deal. He was horrible. They had to trade him and their number one draft pick from the, the draft prior. We were in the winter meetings in San Diego when Farhan walked by, and he said, hey, I can't talk to you guys. He was working on a trade. That's the trade he did. He sent hey, – I forget who he sent to the Angels, but he got back Cozart, which they got rid of, and they got the, the Angels' top pick that year, uh, Will Wilson, who's still in their system. The Angels just dumped his contract, and they had to give up their number one pick in the draft because they just wanted to eat his contract. We're talking about – over a billion dollars in bad free agent contracts. Over a billion. You think that is multiple 
GMs, multiple front office people. That's even multiple owners. They've given up over a billion dollars worth of bad free agent contracts. And this is not counting everybody. There's other people. But you just think about, like, when we when we address the, oh, you know, when the Angels were here on May 24th or whatever the hell the date was, and now they were right in the thick of the things, and it's going to be Otani and Trout in the postseason. Certain organizations, they kind of fall back on, like, who really are they? And they're back to being who they are. Terrible. It's been a long time. O2 was a long time ago when the first time we ever saw two wildcard teams hook up in the World Series when it was the Angels and Mike Sosha against Dusty Baker and the Giants. Of course, the Angels will get their lone World Series trophy. And just a lot of bad signing since, a lot of trying to chase glory with money, and it just has not worked. And now we're looking at, I, I mean, I don't think Trout's contract will be a bad deal whatsoever, but... That new contract, I mean, let's face it, Trout with the bad calf, Trout this year. There hasn't been a whole lot of games played for Mike Trout with this new extension. No, and you got to worry because he missed most of the year last year, short 2020. So it's going to be an uh, interesting one. Then you got the Rendon one and what's going to happen with Otani. So a lot of, lot, of, lot of things to worry about. Well, now joining us for you A's fan, he's an all-time A's fan favorite, and it's great to see you, Kurt Suzuki. <laughs> Man, it has been a long time. How are you? Good. How are you? Well, I was telling the story story earlier in the show. By the way, look how we improved. We're now doing a television show. We've changed this a lot. This is big league right now. Changed a lot yes. since you were here. I was telling the story. I was, like, looking it up because you were with the Minnesota Twins at the time. It was, like, 15 or 16. We did the interview for pregame over in the dugout, and then after we were talking, catching up, how the kids doing, how's everything going, and at that point, you were talking about retirement, <laughs> what are you going to do, and ah, kids are still pretty young, but I'm not sure if I want to coach or whatever, and here we are, 2022. God bless you. You're still playing. Oh, man, yes. It is, uh, it's definitely been a blessing. Um, that one that I'm able to do this, you know, uh, every year or uh, up until this year, and then two that my family allows me to do this, you know, it's a uh, it's a big sacrifice not just for myself but for my family. You know, my kids are in school um, full time every day now, and you know, my daughter Malia was born here, and she's she just turned 11. My middle one Kai is nine, wow, and then my youngest is six. They were babies so, back in the day. Um, Eli wasn't even born. He was born in Minnesota. So uh, it was, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And then my wife was pregnant with Kai. Uh, my second, when in 13, when I got traded back here, she was pregnant with Kai. So it was, uh, it's, it's been crazy. Yeah, I think about my twins who are now 16. I remember putting that when they were little girls and they were wearing the Kurt Suzuki jersey, the long sleeve jersey to bed. <laughs> and I tweeted it out. The fans loved it. Yeah, they're now 16. A lot has changed, but a lot of great has changed for you. I think about winning the World Series, uh, just, you know, your career. But it all started here, and it meant so much to start here. I know this organization will always mean so much to you. Um, you just nailed it right there. I mean, um, you know, every time I come to this place, uh, you know, obviously as a, as a visiting team, everybody hated coming here. But, you know, when I come back here as a visitor, it 
I love it. You know, it brings back memories. Um, this this will always be, you know, I call it my home. You know, this is where I first started from everybody. I look at the coaching staff, and, you know, Emo was my first pitching coach. Bushy was my first hitting coach. Uh, I played with Tommy Everidge in the minor leagues coming up and in the big leagues a little bit. Uh, I played with Cots, um, you know, my first year when I got called up, and he took care of me, took me under his wing. And, um, you know, you see – all these guys, Mikey and Voos and Cliffy and Maddie and I mean everybody that works in the clubhouse are still security guard. Everybody's here. It's it's a uh, it's a pretty uh, cool experience to be able to come back and and just the support and the love that they show you coming back. I mean, uh, I had had the greatest years here. You know, it was awesome. You would have loved Sunday because we put uh, Keith Lipman and Steve Vucinich into the A's Hall of Fame. Yes, that I saw it actually. We had it on uh, on the TV out there, up there in the locker room last yesterday. We were looking at uh, watching the highlights and stuff, and yeah. I saw Vusi put on his green jacket. Lip Lip looks the same as when I was here going through the minor leagues. Uh, <laughs> still looks the same, and uh, I mean, what what awesome awesome human beings they are. You know, um, great. Obviously, Lip had a huge impact on my career. Uh, my development as a baseball player, you know, helping me reach the big leagues, helping me reach my goals, my dreams. And, um, you know, I'm forever grateful for everybody in this organization. What's it like now as truly a veteran? And, I mean, you got the street cred, a street cred, versus like when you first came up. I mean, it's got to be a world of difference. Yeah, it's a huge difference. I mean, um, I was scared to death when I first got called up. I ain't going to lie, you know. Jason Kendall, Mark Kotze, Mark Ellis, Bobby Crosby, Dan Heron started the All-Star game for crying out loud when I uh, when Kendall got traded I had to catch him. Um, it was it was a it was a very neat experience for me, you know, and I think um, you know, learning the ropes, learning uh, how to be a big leaguer from all these guys that had all these tons of experience was a huge help for myself and I, I try to do that for these young guys that get called up, you know. I try to to teach them, you know, what I learned when I first got called up. Obviously, uh, as you know, it's a little bit different, you know, nowadays from when it was, you know, back then. But when you think about it, really, it, it really isn't isn't that much difference. You know, you still have to learn, continue to learn how, how to be a big leaguer, how to be a professional on a daily basis. And, and I think, um, you know, for me, when I preach to these young kids, that's the hardest part to learn is how to be a pro, how to be a big leaguer every day, not just going out there and, um, playing the game you know it's, it's the stuff off the field the preparation um, the recovery the you know the mentality everything about that is it also plays a huge role in it you know you had such great success and speaking of why Katze loved him so much they're Cal State Fullerton guys <laughs> uh, being a San Jose State guy drives you nuts I still tell Katze I I walked down when it was Kevin Costner field I walked Kotze to get to the bases loaded, and the next guy up hit a grand slam off of me. So I never actually faced him back in college. But um, you, you'd won so much in college, right? A couple trips to Omaha, you guys won it. And then to think going through your career to then win the World Series. You hang on and you stay with the Nats and you win. I mean, just take us through as a veteran. That was such a veteran-laden club. We would have Trip Hale on while you guys are going through that run. He was still coming on A's Cast Live with us, <sighs> taking us through it, right? Like, you wouldn't think, like, why is the A's guys always getting Chip Hale? But Chip always took care of us. Uh, just what was that run like? It was memorable. Um, I'm not going to lie. It was it was a tough start. Um you know, you look at our team and, uh, you know, with the Howie Kendricks, the Ryan Zimmermans, you know, Strauss, Max, 
uh, Anthony, myself, Yango. Doolittle was there. Doolittle yeah. was there. Hudson, I mean, you had a bunch of veteran guys out there, and we, we always uh, joked around and called ourselves the old guys, you know, the Viejos out there. But um, I think that's what helped us, you know. When you start 19 and 31 in a division like the NL East, uh, to be able to come out of that was was wasn't easy. And you know, we've had a lot. We had a lot of meetings. We had a lot of things. But I think to truly win, when you start off that bad, you really have to enjoy being around each other. And I felt like we truly loved one another. We loved being at the park together. We loved competing together. And I think that's what helped us the most. And and to be able to do what we did. And and all we said was, if we get a shot wild card it didn't matter if we just got in we knew we were gonna make some noise and uh with our pitching staff and our our you know veteran guys on the team so uh when we got in and you know obviously that that game against milwaukee in the wild card game with that soto got that hit and the ball bounced away from grisham um you knew something special was gonna happen so all of a sudden jan gomes gets traded over here right and we're doing the interview with them and we asked him, like, how weird is it seeing Max Scherzer in a Dodger uniform? And I'll throw it even now at the trading deadline, seeing Juan Soto in a Padre, in the Padre Brown. I mean, for it had to be tough to see it, that team win it all and what that meant, Baby Shark and all the stuff you guys had rolling, and to now just see it, you know, not even it's a shell of itself. Yeah, it, it's definitely weird. Uh, but at the same time, I think – when you're around enough, you understand it's a business. Um, you understand that you know organizations have a job to do to make their team better, not just in the future. I mean, not in just the present, but in the future, in the long run. And I think uh, the best direction, you know, for the organization was was to sell pieces and and to rebuild their farm system and and stuff like that. And um, obviously, Riz had built that that team you know, from being a 100-loss team and then to winning the World Series. So he obviously has an idea of what he wants to do and what it looks like to, to rebuild. So, um, you know, it, it is weird watching Scherz and Trey, you know, they're in a Dodger uniform. You know, now Soto in a Padres uniform is, <laughs> I mean, it's it's. I, I play with Rendon and I'm, I look at him in an Anaheim uniform and I think it's weird, <laughs> you know. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. You know, and, and and something I think you guys should be really proud of. I don't know. We we talk about your guys' team a lot now, and I think you guys should be really proud. Is that if a team is struggling, and now the Braves are in that also, because in August at one point last year the Braves were two games under 500. But now, if a team's struggling, we now look and say, "Hey, wait a minute! Look what the Nationals did." You got to be proud. I mean, what you guys did was really special. Everyone counted you out, and you showed that you know what you can come back. Don't quit. Stay together. Don't you know throw each other under the bus in the media. And if you do it the right way, you can win it all. And you're absolutely right. Um, you know, it, it definitely is. It's pretty humbling that everybody said, "Hey, look at the Nats in '19." You know, they came back and won when they started off so poorly in a tough division. Um, but you, you. You just nailed it right there. You have to love being at the park together. You have to love competing together. You have to have that chemistry in the clubhouse to be able to turn it around because it's easy, like you said, to, to throw guys under the bus, to point your fingers, to blame people here and there. But, um, you know, the hardest thing is to take accountability and, and to just work through it together. And, and you really have to, like I said, I mean, we talk to each other. We have group chats still from the guys on the same team. We went uh, this spring training. We had uh, dinner with Trey and Howie and Huddy and Jan and Ali and Tony. We went out to dinner together, and uh, we really enjoy being around each other. 
You know, Ken Korak said it last. Oh, first of all, uh, World Series ring, how much do you wear it? Uh, I, I, I wear it quite a bit, uh, especially with the Dodgers fans being down there. You know, I wear <laughs> quite a bit around there. <laughs> I like it. Well, Ken Korak said it last night on the broadcast, and let's in on this because I know you got a, you have BP going on. 18 years ago you were drafted by the Oakland Athletics. <sighs> yeah, I, I mean, it's – Honestly, it's gone by fast, but not gone by fast. You know, it's it's been a whirlwind. Um, been on a few teams, and um, you know, I got three kids now, and uh, 18 years. I mean, 2004 is it's it seems like far away, but it really not. You know, and when I come back here, I bring back memories. You know, and um, you know, I was a kid. I was a kid here, and you know, I had a lot of tough times, but I also had a lot of great times, and. Um, you know, I think it, it made me better. And, and like I said, you know, I will always love Oakland. I, I always love coming back to the Coliseum and playing in front of these fans. And, and it, it's, it's, it's awesome. You know, an interview that I will never forget when I think of all the different interviews I've done, the interview you and I did at the Tokyo Dome. Oh, yeah. And how much it meant for you to play in Japan. And then after we did the interview, the reception you got in Japan and I remember just going, wow. And I was sitting up in the press box and just knowing what that meant to you. That was really special. I'll never forget that. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, that was the first time I've ever met my relatives in Japan. That was the first time I've ever seen them and met them in person. And, um, I mean, baseball, you know, does crazy things like that. You know, it, it, it opens up doors to things that you never think you'll ever do. And, shoot, I met my relatives from Japan for the first time and, I uh, got to play in front of them. It was pretty cool. Well, you're a great A, and I know I, last time I talked to you, you said you wouldn't play that much longer. <laughs> I don't know. We may be here five years oh, from now, no. and here you're still – who knows? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough, but, uh, yeah, I guess you never know. You're always great to All us. Right. Congratulations on an unbelievable career, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again All soon. Right. Yes, thank you. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, A's fans, your athletics are back in town and we're kicking off the series with a boom. That's right. Post-game fireworks presented by Lagunitas are back after Friday night's matchup against the Mariners. Friday, August 19th, join us at the ballpark when the A's take on the Mariners and then head down to the field to see the best fireworks display in the Bay. August 19th fireworks presented by Lagunitas. Tickets start at just $15 and are available at athletics.com. That's athletics.com. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, it is 5 o'clock, and he has shown up. The president of your Oakland Athletics, Dave Cavill here. 
on A's Cast Live. And first, let me say, Sunday was spectacular. It really was. I mean, honoring, and I thought it was such a unique class that we had when you talk about guys that won three straight World Series. I mean, what Ray Fossey meant to all of us, not only as a player, as a broadcaster, as a mentor. For you, sure. You grew up with him in Cleveland. And yep, Cleveland Connection. Right? Absolutely. And then you think about Joe Rudy, and you think about Sal Bando, the captain. Eric Chavez was a great player, one of the premier defensive players of his time. And then while so unique as we're – you know, guys were such a part of the fabric of our family, right? When you got Vuce for 54 years, Absolutely. Keith Lippman for 52. Yep. It was such a dynamic class. Well, and also that we celebrate not just folks who, you know, make their mark on the field, but also the support staff, you know, like Keith Lippman, like Vuce. Those people are just as important in making everything work for the A's. And so I think that was a really special moment, and I think we're one of the few organizations and Hall of Fames that does that. And what is it like for you and your staff when everybody shows that appreciation for making that happen? Because we never had it. We have to start it at some time. We did. You start it and what it means to, I mean, to men who haven't played in so long. I mean, it was the 70s, but what it means to them and their family and the grandkids and everything is so special. Well, you know, baseball is something that's passed on generation to generation. And so I think being able to tell your kids or even like, meet your your hero like your father's hero whether yeah. it's joe rudy or you know one of these former players i mean it's kind of amazing you know vita blue you know we had all the ex-players here who were in already like ricky and reggie it, it was just a great great feeling and and a really special day for the organization yeah to see ray fossey's grandkids and know that they'll remember this for their less oh and they had a great time yeah. i love spending time with them and the family and i mean it was it was bittersweet because he wasn't here, but I know he was looking down. There is no he question was. about it. He was. So, the ballpark continues yes, to the, be the focus. A ballpark. The, the saga goes on. It marches on. The port, really good now, right? Yeah, absolutely. That, absolutely. You, you got what you wanted there. Another hurdle that you cleared. How big was that for you? Well, that was one of the hardest votes in this whole process because BCDC requires a two-thirds supermajority. And a lot of times you only can get a majority in these entities. So that was a big deal. You know, we only had two dissenting votes. Um, and it was just really, really positive about building momentum this summer and hopefully getting us to a point later this year where we can get a final binding vote out of the city council. Yeah, that's the thing that we're all waiting for, right? We want the sure. binding vote. Right. So you hear a lot of different things, and that's the problem. There, there's a lot of people who don't put their name on stuff, and there's a lot of stuff that of gets thrown out of there. Of course. Well, that's the modern media world that we live in. So Correct. Yeah, but you don't. You always put your name on it, <laughs> which is interesting. True. I'm right here. Your so. name's on it. Everybody yes, else is like, is. well, so-and-so, but they yeah. won't say who that. All right, so when we talk about binding vote, how do you get the city council to have a binding vote? I think the key thing, and it's just it's everything, is the city needs to demonstrate that they have the money for the off-site infrastructure. They have not been able to show us, the league, you know, even you know, their own constituents, that they have identified the sources of capital. And they are about at least $200 million short right now. And so it's wow. very hard to take a vote until we know that they have the funding lined up. And so we're working as hard as we can to support the city on federal grants, going to Washington, D.C., bringing our union partners involved, talking to the Department of Transportation, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, all these people to ensure that we put our best foot forward because we have hundreds of millions of dollars of grants that the city is applying for, 
But we need to know as soon as possible if this money is going to be allocated for our project. Buttigieg, you're going to the top. Why not? Why not? And, you know, the mayor's done an incredible job. Libby, you know, she's obviously talked to the vice president who has roots in Oakland. And so I think we're, we're pulling out all the stops. Uh, but by the same token, you know, we really are running out of time because Libby's going to leave office at the end of the yes. year. She's termed out. And so I think between now and the election in November is the critical moment that we need to figure out how the offsite money comes to fruition because many of the other issues are actually kind of solved. This is really the big bogey to figure out. Yeah, it's it's a tough thing in the postgame show when people call and they want to start right. talking about the political. Um, that's not really my lane. I kind of try and stay in my lane. That's you good. Know? That's good. A lot of people don't stay in their lane. Right. So it's kind of like, hey, you want to talk war? I'm, I'm your huckleberry. Yeah, but yeah, you want to yeah. talk about the Oakland politics, I'm yeah. not your guy. But is that maybe a worry that we are in an election year? I think it complicates things. I mean, you have several members of the city council running for mayor, and so we're just getting caught up in a little bit of that process. But we don't have a choice. This is where we are. We've spent five years. We've spent over $200 million on this project. We need a binding vote. And, you know, the path to get there is for the city to identify the, the money sources. And I think if they do that, I think we can pull it off. But that's the big question and, and one that we need an answer to. And one thing that our fans need to know, that baseball wants, it's the NFL model. They want to go to 32 teams. Yes. And the only way you can expand to those those two new cities, and we hope our own Dave Stewart gets Nashville. Yeah, for and sure. And then whatever the other city is. But they can't do that until the A's and the Tampa Bay Rays. Get figured out. It's just this big unknown, and it's been going on probably too long. I think the league feels that like it's go time. Uh, for both franchises, and, and that's why they're really pressuring hard to say, hey, we need a plan. And keep in mind, we only have a lease here for two more years. And, you know, it's not like these stadiums just pop out of the ground like a mushroom. You know, they don't get built like in three days. It takes time. It takes planning, infrastructure, all these different pieces. So we really need to get going uh, to ensure that we can make any timeline that makes sense. When does a vote have to happen before we hit DEFCON 5 and, oh, my God? I think we they have to at least schedule a vote this year. I mean, hopefully you'd have the vote this year. But keep in mind, you can't really schedule the vote until you have the money. You know, it's a, with a lot of these things, it comes down to money. And, you know, we're paying for all the on-sites. We've agreed to all the community benefits. You know, we've we've conceded on all these points. But at the end of the day, the city identified back in 2021 that they would take the off-site infrastructure. You know, that's like the roads, the bridges, the bike lanes, you know, in places like Chinatown and downtown and Old Oakland, all needed. Don't get me wrong. But those are things that we really need the city to come up with. And they said they would. And hopefully they can line everything up and make that happen as soon as possible. Because you've negotiated everything into like even like low income housing. I mean, yeah, you've yeah, done the, the, whole, whole, the affordable yeah. housing. Yeah, we, we have a, a general agreement on that in the framework, which is great. And I think the city council has been very supportive of uh the numbers and the percentages. Um, and so really the focus right now is just all on this offsite infrastructure. Like everybody, it's like all hands on deck to solve that. Because without solving that, there, there really can't be a deal. And so that's, I think, the concern. So for us to get shovels in the ground, money's got to be there, binding vote. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. And then the only other wild card out there is something that, you know, we've been dealing with for months now is these lawsuits. You know, we Correct. got hit with another lawsuit on the BCDC vote. But that, you expected that, right? Well, it's just frustrating to get sued on every approval. You know, it just it just means that we we knew from the beginning there'd be a lot of lawsuits, and it came to fruition. You know, our our, our predictions were correct. 
Has there really ever been a, a, a big project in California where it didn't have lawsuits? Well, not in the modern era. I think when they built this place, I don't think there was no. any lawsuits. <laughs> but, you know, that was, that was a long time ago. 1966. Long, long time ago. That was a different state at the time. Different state. Yeah. So, so how do you handle that? Well, you first of all lawyer up. We got a great group: Gibson Dunn, um, we got Whit Manley, we got all you know all the same people who worked on Golden One, worked on Chase Center, all the big projects, 49ers. And so I think we have the right team, but it is frustrating to get so many different lawsuits. And so you, it just takes time and effort. And and each time there's a lawsuit, you know that 270 days, it starts again for that lawsuit. So that's that's frustrating because it just puts the timing out and it makes it hard for us to know when we can actually break ground and open the venue like people always say why don't you know when and i said well there are these things out of our control there's lawsuits there's the funding for the off sites and that just you know complicates things how frustrating is it for you to have people give opinions on stuff they don't have all the information on well i mean welcome to the 21st century that's kind of that's kind of where we are and i mean everyone is entitled to their take of their opinion and you know all we can do is continue to move forward on our path to make as much progress as we can to demonstrate the seriousness of, you know, our efforts. Like, I don't think there's ever been a more serious effort to try to get a ballpark built really anywhere. And we're as close as we've ever been, but there's still some big hurdles to get over, and that's that's what we're focused on now. The thing that frustrates me for you, even though you don't need my help, is that people just think you're this ballpark guy. It's like, you're a sportsman. I, I you love, love sports. sports. You know that. You know that. You had yeah. your own baseball league for That's God's right, sake. That's right. The Golden Baseball League. I, I mean, in soccer, you yeah. loved winning. Absolutely. I mean, you are like people just want to think of you as a ballpark guy, but you really are a sports guy. Hey, I wrote a book on it. The summer that saved baseball. Still available on Amazon for anyone who wants to buy it. You know, went to all 30 ballparks in 38 days, and so always loved the game, especially baseball. And you know, that's one reason I want to get the ballpark built because I know what that can mean for the community for the players, for the league, for everyone. It's a great storyline and something that we can actually have a legacy around. We have seen the model is build the ballpark and then everything follows around it. For sure. I've heard people say, well, why not build everything and then the ballpark? I'm like, are you nuts? Like well, that the, could the never ba- happen, The ballpark right? actually is what draws everything. Correct. You know, that's yeah. actually what is the the prime mover of, of the the whole project. So that, that's got to go first and – it's going to go first in our plan, and it's phase zero to get that done. So then we got to talk about the other side. That it's a parallel path. Parallel how, path. How are thing going? How's everything going in Las Vegas? Well, I think we're as far as we've ever been there as well. You know, we're down to a handful of sites in the resort corridor. We had a new site that popped up just the last couple of weeks that we're spending a lot of time being really thoughtful about. Uh, brings with us some really unique opportunities for not only us but I think Southern Nevada. And we're working also there with the elected officials. And there's an election in Nevada as well that we're navigating. Um, but we're making a lot of progress there, too, because we need options. You know, we need somewhere to play as a, as a franchise. And while we're working as hard as we can in Oakland, we're doing the same in Las Vegas to see if we can make uh, a plan there that works for all parties as well. Is there a possibility Major League Baseball could just say no more at the Coliseum? You just can't play there anymore. Well, I mean, you know, it's really 10 years past its useful life. I've said this many times. You know, it's just we're dealing with so many challenges here, whether it's the opossums or the cats or the seats or just, you know, this stadium wasn't envisioned to even be used this long. And, uh, you know, it's it's just a difficult environment. I think our players and our staff are very understanding, but it's, 
it's it's always hard and it's even though we're spending millions of dollars our own dollars to to you know keep it playable there could be a point where that's not possible anymore it's hard to say you know i a lot of the naysayers here in the bay area about las vegas i just go i live this with the raiders sure they all said it would never work won't happen can't happen in in in, yeah. in nevada uh, it's happening. Not only is it happening, they just hosted the draft, and now they're going to host the biggest event in the United States called the Super Bowl. Well, and they're yeah, hosting it. And, so, and the other thing is their their ticket revenue for the Raiders are the is the highest of any team in the league, and they have the smallest stadium. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of data points that indicate. And I think MLB is kind of tuned into this. That like, hey, you know, Las Vegas is a really strong market. They never felt that 10, 15 years ago, and so I think the page is turned on that. And I think that's what makes it a viable option. Yeah, because you're going to get the people here. They're going to say, there's no way. Vegas will never happen. It can't right. happen. Right. And you're saying, no, nah, that's not not so fast. Yeah, I mean, I th- it's th- the parallel paths are, are a real thing. And, you know, we have to explore all our options to see where we're going to end up. Uh, but Vegas is very viable. And when I think about the interviews that you do, and pe- people want you to say one thing, and but you do have to keep this parallel path. T- tell people why this needs to happen to get a facility done, no matter where the facility is, well, to get a facility done. Things take a long time, Downing. These things can't be done overnight, so you have to start the planning way in advance. And if we don't get going in southern Nevada, and if things collapse here in Oakland, we're not going to have anywhere to go. And so we, we have to ensure as a franchise that we have a viable plan for a new building because we just can't keep playing here. You know, we've kind of, it's reached the end of the road. So many great moments, so much great history, the 20 game winning streak, the World Series, all these things. But we're at the point where we need to move on. We need to get to that next chapter. Do you still think about what this property could be someday? I think it could be great. We'd, you know, we own half of it. We'd love to keep the arena, find out a way to work uh, either with the African American Sports Entertainment Group or the city on the other half and uh, develop this in a very positive way. I, that's, that's kind of a second project. We've been focused more on Howard because that's kind of the, the, the key path. But I think this could also be redeveloped in a really positive way. Team's grinding right now. And the mm-hmm. one thing that I keep saying to Mark Kotze, what, what I've been impressed, is he, he, he laid it out to everybody. It's not going to be easy, but we're still going to play hard every single day. What have you seen in Mark Kotze in his first year as the manager of the A's? I think he's been tremendous. I think he's brought uh, new energy to the role and to the clubhouse. And uh, I think the young players are especially responding and they're learning a lot. And uh, it's great to see it. And I think there's been a lot of positives beyond the record um, that's really important for setting a foundation for success long term. Because we're in that money ball cycle where, you know, we're bringing the younger guys in, that we're doing a lot of the trade. And that's you know, Billy and David, they're you know, the masterminds yeah. pulling the whole thing off. And, but very soon we're going to have those new players and they're going to start coming up. And they're going to start making a bigger impact. And to have Cots and the rest of his team here to nurture them, to build them up, I think is going to be tremendous. And it goes back to John Hart and the Cleveland Indians. That's I lived through that growing up. Before yeah, Jacobs yeah, Field, yeah. it's like they got all those great young players. So when Byerga, Lofton, when Bell, they, when everybody. They, when yeah. they opened up those doors, Nagy, they were yeah. ready to rock for yeah. years. Well, that's and that's the that's the model. That's what Billy always has said: is you want to line it up. So you have a like a, a basically a rising team into the new ballpark, and that is the ultimate recipe for success. And you know, the uh, Guardians Indians at the time they sold out like 450 games in a row. Yeah, it was the record. It was like incredible. And so like that's the same kind of thing we want to duplicate, no doubt. 
Well, for years, people preach patience. Patience is out the door. We, we need answers now. Yeah, I mean, there's no more waiting. You know, we, we really need to know between now and the election in November. And uh, I think we're on, on a path to get there. Uh, it could be turbulent. There could be ups and downs still. But, you know, we're going to do what we can to, you know, make sure that we can get through it and be successful. It's never a dull moment. No, but that keeps it fun. <laughs> it's a good story. It's good for the media, right? It's good for Ace Cast. How do you always about. keep a smile on your face? I'd Why be not? tearing on, my look, hair look out. Look where we are. We're on a baseball field. Clay, Clay Wood, he's done nuts. a great job. How can how can you not be smiling? You're not taking it's shots. Sunny, of- 75 degrees. This is good. You got a great shirt on. American flag looks good. He's a good, good-looking guy here. God, yeah. you're better than me. I'd be taking yeah. shots at people. I'd be going nuts. No, nah, no. Nah, you're good nah, at this. No, nah, I don't know. Whatever. We'll see. You're nah, good at this. Nah. Hey, thank you very much. Awesome. We always Thanks appreciate the time. Awesome, guys. Always great. The build right here on A's Cast. Coming up, we get you ready for the Angels and the A's right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Angels taking BP right now. And on the mound tonight, I don't know the expected crowd, but the show of shows is going to be on the mound tonight. No question. I... I'm thankful for him. He has been, no question, great for our game. Shohei Otani brings eyes. Like, we're not going to be able to show you, but up in the press box right now, the amount of Japanese media is huge. I mean, this guy, this guy's like Elvis. I mean, everywhere he goes, they want a picture. Everything he does, they want a picture. They want video. They want to send it back. He is a big, big deal. You know, from Anchorman, I'm kind of a big deal. Uh, yeah, he is a he's a big deal. It's a great quote from that movie. Uh, Come here, Cody. Where you been? Yeah, well, we well, only got about two minutes, but I'd be remiss if I didn't. Yeah, have you tell the Have you tell the seasons are changing? Look how that. I mentioned it yesterday. Usually, the sun. You can start to tell the sun's coming down quick. Uh, Otani, by the way, he is one home run away from being number two all-time as a Japanese player in Major League Baseball for home runs. And he will join Babe Ruth, who back in 1918, they'd be the only players, 10 home runs, 10 wins in a single season. Pretty impressive. It's it's it's, incre- it's, like, it's, like, it's like when they said they're going to trade this guy. I'm like, it'd be the dumbest business move you're making we don't even know what it is right we're just speculating that it could be around 30 million dollars yeah. a between, year we've heard between 20 and 30 but you're speculating we don't know it unless the angels show you their books yeah i, I think it's probably around 30 plus million dollars Shohei otani is bringing into the angels for just being Shohei otani and the japanese corporations and it will just continue to grow you're not giving that away you're you're going to give that away for prospects who are going to make you no money? Stop it. There's uh, no way. There's no way 
you'd be like like Mark Gubaza said yesterday. They're not trade. Cabana boy. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I called him Cabana boy earlier upstairs. I called him yesterday. He started laughing. <laughs> uh, by the way, because we're almost out of time. I'd be remiss if we didn't say thank you to Griffin, our intern. This is his last show with us. Uh, Griff's mom, oh, he's got to go back to school? Yeah, thank God. The A's are 2-17 and 17 when he's been here. He has literally been the worst intern yep. of all time. You know what? He can walk. <laughs> Come around say hello, Griff. Come around wave so they know who the heck we're talking about. This is the most unlucky intern in the history of interns. He has the worst record of all time here. No, no, there's one right there. Oh. Griff, say goodbye, and we're so glad you're leaving because you're, what, 2-17? and 2-17, and 17, yeah. And they're 18-18 and 18 for the month and a half that I was gone. So I mean, he, he misses a homestand. We went six of, 6 of 8, sweep the Astros. He's not here. Hey, we've been a bad club this year. We're not going to sugarcoat it. But we've been really bad when he's here. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's uncanny. They're probably they're happy to hear that I'm going. What, so. what, what have you learned being around the Oakland A's as you head back to Syracuse? It can only get better from here. It's true. Yeah, positive attitude. I like it. Yeah, I mean, we we can't get much worse than this. Yeah, I mean, it could be the Nats, but yeah, I mean, that's true. true. You I mean, could trade. They didn't trade any. Well, they did trade some guys, but they didn't trade Juan Soto. So true. Yeah. Well, we didn't have, we don't have a Juan Soto. To trade. How about Kurt Suzuki? Like it's one thing Scherzer's in a Dodger uniform, guy you won a World Series with. You're now looking at, oh my God. Soto's and Padre Brown. One and five, by the way. Padres can't win. And then he and then he says, Rendon's on my team, and I'm even weird in the. I'm even journey. looking at going. Rendon is in an Angels uniform. Uh, I know, thought that oh, was interesting. The only guy left standing. Steven Strasburg. Zimmerman's gone. Well, is, he's is retired. He, is he standing? Well, that's true. Yeah, he's probably sitting somewhere. Is Strasburg standing? I don't think. Oh no, sorry. Victor Robles is still on the team, the center fielder. Can't forget about him. Yeah. Well. well how much time we got? Oh, we got to go. Griff? It's been a pleasure. Good luck to you back. Thank you. At Syracuse, your football team stinks, but good luck in hoops. In basketball, thank you. Yeah. Jim Behan. So when they play Pitt. All right, so we've got a – and by the way, Kurt Suzuki being by, how cool is that? Uh, we'll Going down memory lane with the great Kurt Suzuki. Great Kurt Suzuki will always be a terrific Oakland athlete. I'm going to have the video up on our YouTube channel so you uh, fans can check it out there. Also, you can hear the podcast too, athletics.com. Slash Ace Cast, but we'll play that tomorrow on Ace Total Access. Kurt Suzuki with with you. So Dave Cavill today. Uh, by the way, this uh, this note on how bad the Angels have been in free agency, we're, we're, that's not dying with us. Yep. Well, I, I got to hang out the game with my my wife and her aunt, who are both wait for it Angel fans. Over a billion dollars they've spent. Billion. How many roller series have they won since they started spending? One. Yeah, well, I mean, since but they- I I mean, who was on that World Series team that was a big free agent? Those are all homegrown guys. Mo Mo Vaughn. No, was he was hurt. Home? No, he wasn't even on the team. Wasn't even on the team. Yeah, none of those guys. Those guys were all after. Unbelievable. We want to thank the Super Scout, TV star, today, tomorrow, the great Shooty Babbitt, Kurt Suzuki, an all-time A's fan favorite, and the president of the Oakland Athletics, Dave Cavill. Thank you for listening and watching A's Cast Live. We'll see everybody back here Friday, it's the Astros. What time yeah, are we going to we'll, be on? We'll be on at 2 o'clock. We're, after, we're probably going to have Sean Murphy, the skipper Marcotte, and I'm going to get the manager of maybe the next greatest offense in Oakland A's history, Bobby Crosby, because everyone's at Not Midland. Not Fran Reardon, yeah. Well, everyone's, at, everyone's at Midland now. You mean the former rookie of the year. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Up next, A's Total Access.
The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.